Greg Rubel of Living Streams Community Church in McCordsville, Indiana. We want to thank you for your interest in God's Word and this message. We pray that God puts it into your heart. Turn in your Bibles to John chapter 13 and we're going to Look at some verses there that are just a, it's a powerful scene, one of my favorite scenes in, in, the, in the Word. Uh, so we're beginning a special week this week um, for our Christian faith, some, sometimes called Holy Week, sometimes called Passion Week. Um, so I hope, I hope yet you uh, this week will spend some personal time just diving into the Word and reading along um, with Jesus as, as we go through this week. And so, you know, every year we come to these celebrations and we, we, uh, we have to work a little bit to refresh the story, you know, because we're so familiar with it. And so we're praying that that reading schedule will help you do that. Just slow down as you go read, read through that. Ask the Holy Spirit to warm your heart up and it'll make this season so rich for you and for the church. All right, so we're drawing near to Jesus every time we gather here during the Easter season. And each time we do that, we're trusting that God's going to uh, bring us closer to Him. And I'll tell you, I appreciate Mike's message last week. You know, he helped us look through the lens of Psalm 2 to see Jesus as King and, um, you know, help draw near to Him as the King of Kings. And, you know, in that message, there was steps in there to recognize that Jesus is a King and then to make a, a personal declaration that Jesus is my King. And, and then to, um, to grow in our adoration and devotion to Jesus by offering Him gratitude, returning thanks for the many things that He has done in our lives. Well, today is Palm Sunday on our calendars. And this is kind of the day that the church celebrates Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. And we remember that well. You know, I was looking for a palm branch. Oh, we got fern branches back here, so it isn't going to work for me to pull that out. But, um, you know, Jesus had, uh, it was a, a, a welcome into Jerusalem for a king. I mean, the, the, there was crowds of people there, and they were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. That's what you shout for the king, the Messiah. And there was tons of people doing that. And as you look at that, as you read that, you know, you, you see this picture of Jesus riding in his king, but there was one peculiar thing about that parade. It wasn't the crowds and what they were shouting, and it wasn't the, the coats laying on the parade route for, the, uh, for them to walk over, but it was the mode of transportation. You know, normally a king would ride into a city victorious on the back of a white stallion. Jesus is riding in victorious on the back of a donkey. So it was this humble mode of, of, of transportation. Because Jesus wasn't just a king, he was also a servant. 
Now that dichotomy in uh, Jesus' life, it was there through his whole life, from his, from his birth to his death. The king of kings was born in a barn, wrapped in grave clothes. And the only people that came to visit him were the lowly shepherds, the lowest of society. So you see that dichotomy there. The Lord of Lords lived 90% of his life in obscurity. And then the last 10%, he was homeless and traveled around the countryside teaching people about the kingdom of God. And then the last time he celebrates Passover with his disciples, he, he does something there that demonstrates to all of them and to all of us why he lived his life not in the palace but with his people. So Jesus is a king that lived his life as a servant. We're going to try to draw near to him as a servant today. Um, So let's read John 13, verses 1 to 17. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments, and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, The one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you, for he knew who was to betray him. That was why he said, not all of you are clean. When he had washed their feet and put it on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come um, to your word today and uh, we're thankful um, that your Holy Spirit inspired John to tell us about what happened in that upper room. So many things were spoken, so much love displayed. And we, we look at it again today and we're reminded of who Jesus is and how much he loves and we ask, Lord, as we draw near to him as, as the servant today, as we seek to uh, walk in his way, that you would speak to our hearts, that you would open our eyes to people in our lives, that you would 
Help us to see how to follow you today. Thank you, Lord, for this calling to preach your word. Thank you for the privilege of sharing it today. I pray that that the words of my mouth, meditations of my heart would be pleasing in your sight. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So our first step to drawing near to Jesus is to recognize the servant. Jesus was a servant. And there's no better place to really see that than this seen here in John around the Passover table. So the time has now come for Jesus to fulfill his purpose for for coming to our world. Um, He's about to go through the most difficult week of his life or a few hours of his life. Um, They would be the most agonizing hours uh, spiritually, emotionally, and physically that he would have experienced on earth. And he's gathered his closest friends here. They're in secret around the Passover table. They're celebrating one last time. And everybody's there. Everybody's there at the beginning of the meal. And Jesus, he knows what's going on in their hearts and minds. He's in the know. And verse 3 tells us he knew some other things. He knew that he had a place of authority. That is, his father had put all things into his hands. He knew that he he knew where he came from and he knew where he was going. He was secure in his identity as the son of God, secure in his sonship. And then he knew who had a hold of his life. He knew who had his back. He knew who was leading him down the road he was walking. He knew all of these things. And it was in that knowledge that he was able to do what the lowest servant in a household could do. Or would do. Verse 4 says Jesus rose from the table and he dressed for service. So Jesus looked like a servant. He took off, took off his outer clothes and he wrapped a towel around his waist. And um, that was the, the uniform for the most menial slave in the household. I mean, the kind of work that they do, you couldn't have clothes getting in the way of that work. And so Jesus looked like a servant. I thought if somebody walked into the upper room while Jesus was doing this, they would have just seen a servant there doing what a servant does. Serving. So he looked like a servant. Verse 5 tells us that he worked like a servant. He poured water into a basin. He knelt down behind each one of the disciples and he washed their feet, washing away dirt and dust and manure from the streets that they had walked on. Then he dried them with that servant's towel that was wrapped around his waist. Now, picture the disciples here at the Last Supper, not sitting around a table like we see in a lot of pictures, but actually laying down on the floor. They would recline at table and they would be propped up on one elbow and eat with their other hand. Not the best way to eat a meal in my opinion, but you know, that's what they did. My opinion doesn't count for wit. (laughs) So that's how they did it. So picture Jesus going around the table behind the disciples, kneeling down and washing their feet. He worked like a servant. And he acted like a servant. The one, you think about this, the one who was above everybody else decided that there was nothing beneath him that he wouldn't do. 
No one beneath Jesus. So that's, that's the thing. Jesus, there wasn't any person that Jesus wouldn't serve. Not one. Um, there's no one that's too bad or, or too broken. There's no one too ugly or mean. Nobody too foolish that he wouldn't serve. And there, so there's no service he wouldn't perform and no person he wouldn't serve. And his actions, that they prove that to us here at, at this meal. When you think about it, he served all of his friends. It said he loved them equally. He served them to the end. And so that means he was going around a table with his closest friends, one who he knew was going to betray him in a few minutes, one who he knew was going to deny him by the time the rooster crowed three times, and all the rest of them would run away from him. He was a servant. Paul wrote about Jesus in Philippians 2, verses 6 and 7, describes how this was made possible. It says, Who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. So Jesus took on the nature of... Of a servant. He said of himself in Luke 22, 28, he said, I did not come to be served, but to serve others. That's what he said. That's why he was born in a barn. That's why he lived 90% of his life out of the public eye. That's why he rode the donkey into Jerusalem instead of a white stallion. All of that, because that's what humility looks like. That's what picking up your cross daily and dying so that others can live. That's what it looks like. And that's what we need to recognize if we're going to draw near to Jesus as a servant. So he starts making his rounds around the table. And I'm sure the disciples were looking on in utter disbelief as he was doing it. And when he gets to Peter, their exchange kind of gives us the next step to drawing near to Jesus. And that's to receive the service. So in verse 6, Peter refuses the service. He says, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? No, no, no. And Jesus says to Peter, you know, you don't get it, Peter, but you're going to let me, let me continue. And Peter says, no, you shall never wash my feet. That's not something you should do. I'm a nobody. You're a somebody. You can't do this. Never, ever. Now, that objection that Peter is making is coming right out of his pride. Right out of his pride. When was the last time you were served? Can you remember a time? Now, going to a restaurant, being served at a restaurant doesn't count because you're paying for that service. I'm talking about somebody that does something for you that either you couldn't do and you certainly couldn't pay them back for. Can you remember a time like that? In 2002, uh, in the summer, uh, I think Pastor Shane and I were in Brazil together, uh, serving on a mission team there uh, from BRCC, and we were building a church in Paldayu, Brazil, uh, and also participating in different ministry activities. 
And I remember preaching at Paul Dayu Community Church, and it was about the Acts 2 church, you know, the, the picture of that new church and the model of community that they gave us, inviting people into their homes, sharing everything that they had. So I was really, at the time, I mean, I'm a brand new pastor in 2002, you know, and I, you know, it's all, all new to me. And, um, I, I remember that passage. I was a small group pastor, so I, I shared that passage a lot. I was excited about the pastor. But here's the thing. Brazil was playing in the World Cup soccer championship minutes after I was done preaching. Now, I don't know, you, you can't imagine the excitement that is generated around the sport of soccer in Brazil, let alone the World Cup championship game. I mean, the whole country stops. And so I'm, I'm preaching away, you know, and I'm kind of thinking people are sort of going like this, you know, looking at their watch. Fireworks are going off in the community. <laughs> so I'm just like, you know, they're not really listening, you know. And I, get, I, I got it. Right after I was done, I'm, I'm, not, I'm telling you the truth, they, they brought a TV right down the center aisle and they set it up right here and they broke out the tailgate party and we had a World Cup party that was, that was really awesome. But you know, a, a week later, the day before we were supposed to come home, we got a message from a man who had, had attended uh, Paul Dayu and he invited us to come over for dinner. And so I think three of us might have went. I don't know, did you go to that dinner? Yeah, Shane, so I got a witness. So here's the thing. He was so excited to invite us into his home that was made of cinder block and dirt floors. And he sat us down at a table that would rival our Thanksgiving tables. And he said before we ate, he said, you know, I just heard this message at church on Sunday about bringing people into our homes. And we just wanted to to invite you in and express our thanks for you being down here. Now, I'll tell you, I will never forget that meal. We were served. And it would be very inappropriate of us to try to give back something. I think we were talking about it probably cost the guy a couple weeks wages to give us that meal. And it was humbling. It was humbling to sit there and be served. We were sort of, or at least I was, feeling the edges of my pride. In that moment. Because it's hard. It, it's hard to be served. And so I'll never forget that meal. It was, it was amazing. When was the last time you were served? Maybe if you can think of a time when you could feel the edges of your pride. Then you know how hard it is. To say, you know, when someone offers to do something. And you know, what do we normally say? No, 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 I got it. But this is different than that. That's, that's pride. We need to receive the service. When was last time? See, drawing near to Jesus, we have a, we've got this big hurdle to do that. We wouldn't think so, but our pride gets in the way. There's two kinds of washings going on here in this passage. There's many, like it was with many things that Jesus did, um, what he's doing here is far more than cleaning feet. He, it, this is not just about a physical Washing, but it's also a, about a spiritual washing. And so Jesus, he answers Peter and he says, if you don't let me do this, you don't share, you don't share anything with me. And so the, the biggest thing that gets in our way of drawing near to him is our sins and our pride is the chief one of those sins. And because it causes us to refuse the service. 
Now, when it comes to dirt on our feet, it's you know, pretty easy for us to, you know, clean them up, right? It's pretty simple. But when it comes to dirt in our soul, the only way to clean that is by the blood of Christ, is by receiving the service that Jesus provides. And we, we hear that and we can read that and we can even know that, but nonetheless, when it, it comes around to us, we say no. You can't do that, Jesus, for whatever reason. We, we, we've got this natural thing in us to say, I need to get right before I go to God. You know, we, we try to clean ourselves up. It's kind of our pride coming out in us. But the only way to draw near to Jesus is to receive the service that the Son of God provides for us. You know, he said in that verse in Luke, I did not come to be served, but to serve others. He went on, to, by giving my life as a ransom for many. See, that penalty for our sins, the punishment, is death. Some of that death we experience in this life. I'm going to talk about that next week. Uh, but it's eternal death, separation from God. And so here Jesus, just a few short hours after this foot-washing service, he would then die on that cross so that we could be with him, so he could wash clean our souls. And so this morning, on this Palm Sunday, 2018, ask yourself the question, have I received the service? You know, put yourself around that table, that Passover table, as a disciple. And Jesus is working his way around to you. Are you going to be like Peter and say, no, you can't do that. I'm a nobody, you're a somebody. Or are you going to receive what he's done for you? I remember the first Jubilee sale that we had at Living Streams. Um, you know, that's where we put a big tent out there. We bring a bunch of clothes, fill the tent up with clothes, advertise deeply discounted prices, and then when people come, we tell them that it's all free. And we share the gospel with them. I remember this couple that showed up, and, you know, we... Uh, we brought them and greeted them, gave them a Bible, and we said, you know, everything's free and you can take as much as you want. And the reason we're doing this is because Jesus gave to us freely and he told us to give away freely. Well, as soon as I shared that with the man, he put his hand on his wife's shoulder and he said, we can't go in there. And they left. And I thought of Peter. It was this man's pride that was keeping him from taking home a bunch of clothes. Now, when you're talking about clothes, I mean, who, you know, oh well. But when you're talking about cleansing, the kind that Jesus provides, that's the biggest deal you'll ever face in your whole life. And it's that same pride that causes us to refuse what Jesus has done for us. So have you received that service from Christ? Has he washed your soul clean? Now, Peter, he goes on uh, from one extreme, no, I don't want this, to another extreme, yeah, clean me all up, head to toe. I want the whole deal. And Jesus replies to him, people who have had a bath, who've had a whole body cleansing, they don't need it again. Just the part that gets dirty again. The part that gets stained by the world. 
And so in the same way, when you talk about spiritual cleansing, you know, once you've received the service from Jesus, there's a spiritual cleansing. Your sins are forgiven. God looks at us through the cross of Christ. We are given His righteousness. We're forgiven. We're white as snow all the way. Sin removed as far as the east is from the west. But the problem is we walk in this world. And we get dirty. And so we need a foot washing. We need a a spiritual cleansing. So we've been united with Christ in salvation, but we don't stay in communion with Christ because we walk here in this world, in this fallen world, and we continue to sin. So our sin still gets in the way of us communing with Him. But we don't need a whole body washing. We just need the feet. 1 John 1, 8 and 9 says, if we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. So if we don't confess our sin, if we don't admit that we've got that, it's like we're refusing the foot washing from Christ that he provides for us. Drawing near to him is only going to happen if we humble ourselves and allow him to serve us. Because his service is the only one that for, forgives sins. And there's a first time to do that. And then there's actually a daily time to do that. So don't let that pride keep you from getting clean and drawing near to Jesus. Now he finishes the task around the table. And he takes his place again. And he connects the dots you know, for the disciples. Why would he do this thing? Um, so it, it leads us to the last step, and that's uh, to repeat the serving. So you're never closer to Jesus when you're walking in his footsteps and when your hands are doing his work and your voice is speaking his words. It's a beautiful way to draw near to him. And Jesus connects these dots in verses 12 to 17. He says, do you understand what I've done? Um, you call me teacher and Lord, and that's who I am. You know, that, that's the right thing to do, but I've just served you. And if I've served you as your teacher and Lord, then you ought to. Also, serve one another. This is an example that I've given you to follow. A servant's not greater than his master. And if you know these things and you do them, you'll be blessed. I I, I am thankful that we have a Savior that connected the dots. I mean, he he didn't leave any doubt for us as as to how he wanted to live our lives. He didn't leave any doubts of what he wanted us to do. No secrets about what real love looks like. And that's really what serving is all about, isn't it? It's about loving God and loving others. A few moments later, Judas leaves the room in the dinner, and Jesus tells the disciples, a new commandment I give you. You know, love one another as I have loved you. So love one another like I've just shown you around that table. And if you do this, all people will know that you're my disciple. And that's a good thing because when people know that you're a disciple of Christ, people want to know why. And more people will want to become disciples of Christ. Jeffrey Collins is a guy who repeated the serving. He wrote in an article, it happened on a Friday in the Christian Reader of Spring of 1998. He wrote about the difficulty and the impact of this kind of service. 
He said it had been a trying week at our love and action office. It was five o'clock on a Friday and I was going home looking forward to a quiet dinner with friends and the phone rang. Jeff, it's Jimmy, he heard in a quivering voice. Jimmy, who suffered from AIDS, uh, was struggling that day. He was one of their clients. He says, I'm really sick, Jeff. I've got a fever. Can you come over and help me? I was angry. After a 60-hour work week of giving myself away every minute, I just wanted to go have dinner. But I promised that I'd come over. On the way over, I started complaining to God about the inconvenience of this. Really? So I walked in the front door and I immediately smelled the vomit in the air. Jimmy was on the sofa shivering and quivering in distress. I went over and wiped his forehead and got a bucket of soapy water and began to clean up the mess. Just then his friend Russ walked down the stairs. And he had AIDS too. And the smell got to him and he vomited. And so as I was kneeling down around Russ's chair, cleaning up the mess, Russ startled me. He said, I understand. I think I get it. What, Russ, Jim, what, Russ, Jimmy asked weakly. I understand who Jesus is. He's like Jeff. And Jeff stopped what he was doing and he embraced Russ. And he prayed with him and said he prayed to receive Christ as his personal savior because of his witness. And he said, God used me in spite of myself to show his love to somebody else. You know, 1 John 3.16 says, We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. And Jeff most certainly lived out that verse. He gave up his life, even though he didn't feel like it on the inside. And if you hear that story and you read that, you know, you see him dressed for service. He, he goes into the house, he picks up a rag, he wipes the guy's forehead and then gets the bucket of water to start cleaning up the mess. He dressed like a servant. He looked like one. And when he got there, he worked like a servant. I mean, he's doing one of the worst jobs I can think of to do. And he acted like a servant. Even though he was struggling on the inside, that didn't come out. And the guys he was serving didn't know about that struggle. All they saw was love in action. Love in action. And God used that to open the heart of one of them. Repeating the service is more than just doing the work of a servant. We've got to dress like him in humility. And be willing to do anything for anyone. We've got to act like a servant, dying to ourselves and our wants, dying to the, you know, I worked all week, I wanted to go to dinner, but here's the call. He had to die in the car to go do that. And he did it. See, there's just nothing easy about repeating the service. But we got to remember, Jesus said, you'll be blessed if you do it. Out of the 26,639 people who completed the 2016 Boston Marathon, 72-year-old Fran Drozdas finished 26,639th. Dead last. Roaring crowds and, uh, and the official coronations, all of them had gone home and the crews were there tearing down the stands. There was nobody left when she crossed the finish line at 8.45 p.m. But the real story was not her last place finished. It was more about why she was running. Drozdas was running. She had run more than 75 marathons throughout her, her life. 
But this marathon, she was running for the Dana-Farber Cancer Institute. See, her husband was battling cancer for the third time. And he was there at the finish line waiting for her to give her the medal and the embrace. He'd even called the police during the day thinking she might have gotten lost or gotten hurt along the way. One uh, reporter said, it turns out that the race's loser is quite the winner. I can't really imagine the pain that 72-year-old Fran was feeling during that run. I mean, she ran for nine and a half hours at the very least. I mean, I can't even run down the driveway. Think of the pain that she went through. But the thing is, she had a cause to run for and somebody at the finish line waiting for her to get that medal in the embrace. Every painful step that she took helped fulfill the cause and helped drew her closer to the one waiting for at the end. And as we think about it, as Christians, as we think about the challenge of drawing near, we've got to remember we've got a cause to serve for. And we've got a Christ waiting for us at the finish line. Colossians 3, 23 and 24, Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive your inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. So when we're given the opportunity to repeat the serving, it's going to be hard. It's difficult. It might even be painful. But with each step we take, we draw near. We draw near to the one who we want to be with. And that's something that will keep us going. He is our cause. He's the one waiting for us. So we remember, just like Jesus, we're secure in his hands. He's got us. We've got an inheritance waiting for us. So everything we have here should be available for his use. We don't need it. Let's give it away. Let's have our worship team come back up. How can you repeat the serving this week? How can you repeat the serving? What a Savior. What a Savior we have. He could have come in all His glory and all His kingship been worshipped as the God that he was. He could have ridden in Jerusalem on the white stallion in victory, but he didn't. And I'm so glad that he didn't. He's come as a servant, which opens up the way for us to come to him. So as we get into this week and you get into reading, you're reading about his serving. He did all that for us so we could draw near to him. Let's stand and let's pray together. No, Lord, we we marvel at your love, at your humility, at your strength, at your obedience, at your glory. What a Savior we have. Lord, we desire to, to draw near to you to walk in your way, to serve as you served. Give us a heart to be able to do that.
the humility and the willingness to go love people the way you've loved us. Help us remember, Lord, as we do that, as we walk through painful service at times, that you're waiting for us to embrace us and welcome us home. Strengthen us with your Holy Spirit. Give us his gifts, his fruit as we go. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.